This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Thank you for keeping us. We give you glory, we give you praise. Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, uh, we don't want to hear the words of man. We want to hear from you. Jehovah, please speak to us. Transform our hearts in the name of Jesus. Make our hearts ready to receive your word in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as a speaker, I pray that I will not be in the way, but I will speak your word as you have intended. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. I want to start this morning by reading a story. I'm going to paraphrase. I read this a while back and it ministered to me. You know, and I, I believe it's going to be a blessing to somebody's life. So a billionaire was interviewed, a billionaire in Africa, actually from Nigeria, was interviewed and they asked him a question. Said, in your billionaire life, what has made you happy? And his response was interesting. He said for him, He's gone through four stages of happiness before he finally found what true happiness is. And this is what he said. He said in the first stage, all he wanted was to accumulate wealth. He wanted wealth, he wanted means, the ability to do stuff, have money. And he made all the money. And he found out that the happiness was temporary. In his second stage of happiness, he wanted valuables. He wanted items, you know, big houses, big cars, you know, uh, good things. A yacht, airplane, private jet, everything. He said when he had it, he was happy, but it didn't last. True story. And in the third stage, he said what he wanted was big projects. You know, have big projects that bring in big money. And he said, according to him, at a point in time, he controlled 95% of diesel supply to Nigeria and the continent of Africa. That's a lot of work, projects, and money. And at, the, at that same time, he also had the largest vessel, ship, tanker, whatever. He had the largest one in Africa and in all of Asia. And he was happy. I have accomplished what I want. But he said he found out that that happiness still did not last. I'm going to read this one verbatim. He said the first stage was the time a friend of mine asked me to buy wheelchair for some disabled children. Just about 200 kids, he said. At my friend's request, I immediately bought the I mean, billionaire. Wheelchairs, nothing for him. 200 wheelchairs. And supplied to the friend, but the friend insisted. He said, no, you have to come with me for us to present to the children. So at the insistence of the friend, they went. Said there, I gave these wheelchairs to these children with my own hands. 
I saw the strange glow of happiness on the faces of these children. I saw them all sitting on their wheelchairs and moving around and having fun. It was as if they had arrived at a picnic spot where they are sharing a jackpot winning. I felt real joy inside me. But that's not the kicker. When I decided to leave, one of the kids grabbed my legs tightly. I bent over and asked the child, do you need something else? He asked the child. The answer this child gave me not only made me happy, but also changed my attitude to life completely. This child said, I want to remember your face. I don't need anything more. Grabbed him, and when he looked down, the, the little boy just kept staring at his face. He said, I want to remember your face so that when I meet you in heaven, I will be able to recognize you and thank you once again. The life that is worth living is not the life you live for us, yourself. I believe it was Mike Green that said, whatever we do for ourselves dies with us. You know, I don't talk about this much. In fact, my wife and I were talking about this. By the grace of God, I'm, I'm a veterinary doctor by training. When I die, that degree dies with me. My children cannot inherit it. Whatever we do for ourselves dies with us. That thing you have that you think is of no value anymore, wait until you give, give it to somebody else who has need for it. To them, it's brand new. They care for it in a way that you couldn't. Why? Because you have been a blessing to somebody's life. I beseech you by the mercies of God. The life that is truly worth living, that, that will bring joy continually to you, is the life that serves others. You know, a lot of times I watch people, it's almost like they are amassing all this stuff so they can show I'm better than you, and nobody really cares. In the fact, I'm telling you the honest truth. Nobody really cares. Do you know who I'm talking about this morning? No. There are billionaires in America that are not known. I've read, uh, you know, so every now and again I'm looking at those kind of things. Yeah, billionaires. You know, and there are names that I've never had before. Whatever you do for yourself dies with you. Rockefeller is still a household name to today. Not because of the house he built for himself, but because of the foundation he has set up. And I want to use that to also say that, you know, we, we talk about our building project. Maybe one of the things we have not talked about is the things we will do in there. We plan, I've talked about this vision for a long time. We want to help the homeless get them off the street, and retool them to enter into the community. We're going to have vocational center and all of those kind of things. Where you give to the uh, building fund, that's the kind of thing that you're doing. I pray that God will speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Uh, and God will show you what you need to do as a person in the mighty name of Jesus. So we continue our sermon series that we've been on. Well, yeah, that we've been on, 
things God cannot do. And the last time, I barely scratched the surface, but we started talking about God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Please open your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 23 and the 19th verse. Numbers 23 and the 19th verse. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. God is not flaky. He's not wishy-washy. Has he ever spoken and failed to act is a question. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Amen. God cannot lie. Whatever he says is exactly what he does. Amen. And that is why that question is asked. That has he ever spoken and failed to act upon it? Or has he ever promised and not carried it through? Amen. Man will lie. In fact, some people, they can't look up right now because they have already lied this morning. <laughs> so I'm not looking at your face. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man will lie. It is in the nature of man to lie. It's only the transformed man that is walking by the Spirit that God will help not to lie. Let's open to Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 18. The last time I told us, when we say God cannot lie, what we're really talking about is the word of God is true. And we will get to it in a minute. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. It says, so God has given us both his promise and his oath. Two things God has given us. Number one, it's not a trick question. <laughs> Number one, he has given us what? And number two, he has given us what? His oath. He says, God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. The old King James calls them immutable. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. Because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge, and can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. Friends, God has given his promise and he has given us an oath on top of the promise to let us know what he wants to do with our lives. Friends, there's a reason why when we come to church, we don't just tell stories. I mean, I could read you that story that I've read and begin to talk about the different parts of that story. But it will be meaningless without scripture. Because what is of value to you and I is the word of God. It is important that you know, you know, the devil has terrorized a lot of believers. You know, I was speaking to someone the other day. And I said to them that I have found that a lot of believers believe more in the power of the occult than they believe in the power of God. Say, somebody is doing me. <laughs> you know, somebody is sending jars at me. How about the God that is inside of you? The Bible says, 1 John chapter 4, it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. <laughs> Believe that. Believe that. Anybody can do anything. He said, surely they will gather. But because their gathering is not unto me, it shall not stand. Yes. It will not stand. That is scripture. 
But we need to understand scripture for us to be able to own those kind of things. Let's open to Titus chapter 1. We read verses 1 and 2. 2 is where I'm going, but just for context. We read verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those that have chosen, uh, to those God has chosen, and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So the truth is what? The truth shows how to live godly life. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Titus chapter 1, 1 and 2. Verse 2. This truth, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. Which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. The two key words I, wanted to, I want you to remember is promise and oath. What's the promise? So I will do this for you. That's the promise. I will be there tomorrow. That's the promise. You know, I will be there at 5 o'clock this evening. That's the promise. There's a meeting at 2 o'clock. I will be there at 2 o'clock. That's the promise. It's a word that is given. What is an oath? <laughs> There's a reason why when people want to take office, right? They bring the constitution, they bring the Bible, whatever they believe, Bible or Quran, whatever their object of faith is, they bring to the, and then they lay their hands and then they, they take an oath. When you take an oath, you are adding a spiritual connotation to it to say, you know what? I take this oath upon this thing that is the basis of my life. And then you raise your hand and you take an oath. Praise the Lord. But because God is God, he could swear by no other. In Isaiah chapter 45 verse 23, Isaiah 45 verse 23, he says, I have sworn by myself. He is God. He said, I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. What I'm saying to you this morning is if there is any promise that God has made to you or to me, God can never go back on his promise. The problem with the church is, number one, the church don't know the word. And because they don't know the word, they cannot believe in the word. You can't believe in what you don't know. I praise the Lord. A lot of things that we call prayer is fear. The prayer is not born out of faith. The prayer is not born out of revelation. Prayer is, their prayer, most people's prayer is born out of fear. Oh, they are coming. They are going, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Which revelation? Which scripture? Which book? Which verse? What are you standing on? What are you standing on? You know, so many people like prayer meeting. Before you go to prayer meeting, have revelation. Have understanding so that you can pray correctly. The devil has taken many people's joy because they they don't know in whom they have believed. So we started the last time. I said the word of God is God. 
<laughs> the word of God is what? The scripture also tells us that God has highly exalted his word above his name. Hallelujah. He has exalted his word. So it means God himself is bound by his word. And the Bible says because he could swear by no other, he swore by himself. Meaning that oath that God is giving to us, that oath is predicated upon the word of God, which is God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Understanding is critical. Understanding will free your life. Knowledge of the word of God will deliver you from your fears. You will just know that God God has said it. Whether I believe it or not, it is true. He said, thy word forever is settled in heaven. You know, God said it, I believe it, it is done. Don't believe it. It may not be done for that individual, but that word is already established. Isn't that what uh, Simeon was telling us last week? He said, because those Jews could not believe what God has said, God bypassed them. He said, you said it will not happen. Uh, Numbers 14, 28. He said, you, you said you, can't, you will not make it, but your children will make it. God will always fulfill his promise. The one that refuses to believe, it may not be established in their life, but in their generation, in their descendant, God will still do it so that nobody can call God a lie. You need revelation. Look at your neighbor. Say, you need revelation. Psalm 119, 160, from the New King James Version, Psalm 119, 160. It says, the, entire, the entirety of your word is truth. All of God's word is the truth. Whether I like it or I don't like it, if he says he will punish the sinner and I'm a sinner, it means I will be punished. You may not like it, but every sinner, there's a, there's a recompense for every action. I praise the Lord. He swore by himself. He swore by himself. Not only is God the Father, true, the Word, and Jesus the Word, Jesus is also referred to as the truth. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. He will not deceive you. He will not lie. He cannot lie. It is not in who he is. He cannot lie. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit. The Bible says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Correct? The Father is the truth. The Bible says the entirety of your word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. The Spirit now. John 14, 17, John 14, 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. John 15, 26, John 15, 26, I will send you an advocate, the spirit of truth. Everything about God is truth and there is no lie in him. Amen? Amen. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, the father is truth. The Son is truth. The Spirit is truth. God is true. He will not lie. 
If he has said it, he's going to do it. If he has said it, he's going to do it. I don't know the song, but I know that part. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now watch this. Now watch this. We're talking about the word of God. The word of God. I am very passionate about the word of God. I believe in miracles. I believe in the demonstration of the spirit and of power and all of that. I believe it. In fact, the Bible says, unless some people see miracles, signs, and wonders, they will not believe. I believe in that. But what breaks my heart the most is the lack of knowledge or revelation of the word of God. The Bible is far more readily available now than any point in history, yet people are illiterate about the word of God. Half, half, more than half. More than half the church, what they know about the Bible is what somebody else has told them about the Bible. They don't know the God of the Bible for themselves. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We see some attributes of the word of God here. He said, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So number one is the word of God is God. Number two, the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. Colossians 2 verse 13, the Bible says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, you, uh, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive. With Christ. Who is Christ? The Word. Hallelujah. The Bible says, even though you and I were dead in sin and trespasses, the Word came. When we received the Word of God into our hearts and into our lives, it made us alive. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is alive. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He said, Therefore, we never stop thanking God. That when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. What the scripture is telling us there, and we're doing a study of the book of Thessalonians here. If you have been following, this scripture will make even more sense to you now. The Thessalonians were into idol worship and all kinds of mess. I mean, the kind of stuff that many of us came out of, really. You know, if you, well, my family certainly came out of that kind of mess. Praise the Lord. But it says, when the word came, the word gave you life and took you out of that. And you are now in Christ Jesus. You know, that path cannot intimidate me in my present. You know why? Because I have Jesus on my inside. I understand who I am. I understand that I am a partaker in the inheritance of the saints. I am not just somebody who, uh, we are born again, born again. That's not what life is to me. My relationship with Christ means something to me and I understand what it means. We've talked about the authority of the believer 
and a number of things in the past. It's important that we get it. Somebody say, I pray that you get it. Amen. Amen. Number three, very, very quickly. Number three, it says, the word is alive and powerful. The word is alive and powerful. I was talking to an old schoolmate, uh, Dr. Femi knows him, uh, Professor Wally. I was talking to an old schoolmate yesterday, you know, and he was telling me, ah, you know, Wakoye, uh, sometimes I go on your YouTube, you know, the work you guys are doing and things, you know. <laughs> and then he got to the uncomfortable, you know, because when he knew me back then, he wasn't the Koye that he's seeing now. You understand? I said, isn't it interesting what God can do? I said, ah, God can use anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because God put that old sinful nature to death and made something wonderful and glorious out of that mess. You are not your past. Say that to your neighbor. It may look like it. People may remind you, but you are not your past. There is no way my friend could relate with me based on my past. Because God in his awesome might and power has pulled me out of that miry clay. Isn't that what David said? He said, he took me out of the miry clay. Hallelujah. He took me, Psalm 40, he took me out of the miry clay, out of the terrible pit. He picked me up and he didn't leave me all dirty. He washed me by the washing of water by his word. The word of God is powerful. It's powerful. The reason your past still has such influence on your life is because you wouldn't let it go. You wouldn't let it go. You say, how do you know? Because I experienced the same thing. After I gave my life to Christ, I had many years of struggle. Many years of struggle. Because I thought I could put one leg here and put one leg there and just hope that you know, because my body is in here, my leg there will not do anything. It will do a lot for you. In fact, it got to a stage, I said, Lord, if you want to save them, you will have to send other people to them <laughs> to go and save them. I have figured that I am not the right candidate to save my old friend. I am not the one that will preach to them. Because the more I try to preach to them, the more I go back into my old ways. You know, and I was in, you know, <laughs> If sin is not pleasurable, the Bible will not call it for the pleasure of sin. There's pleasure in sin. That's why people sin. If it was painful, they will continue to live in sin. It's you just understand. You know, there's nothing spiritual about that. It is sweet. And that sweetness is what is taking people to hell. You know, so I said, let me just leave them. God will work out their salvation for them on their own. So I left. I left. So the reason it seemed like you keep going back is because you never left the past. You never left it. You are still very much connected to it. That's why you keep going back to it. The word of God is powerful. He created the world by words. Genesis chapter 1. The word of God is powerful. Exodus chapter 14, he spoke the word to Moses, lift up your rod and the sea will be parted. The sea parted at the command of God. Amen? The sea separated. 
In Luke chapter 5, Peter had toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus came in his boat. He said, at thy word. At thy word. The only thing that changed from his previous situation was the word. The word came and turned a situation around. The same river, the same boat, the same net, the same people, the same everything. The same fish. They were playing hide and seek with them. He said, there's Peter, there's Peter, let's go over there. You know? And then he comes over and said, there's, there he comes, there he comes, let's go over there. They were dodging him. But once the word came, hallelujah, the word became a magnet and pulled all the fish in the river, pulled them together. The Bible said it caught so much, the boat was tipping over. The only difference, the word. He said, at thy word, I will go, I will launch into the deep. Hallelujah. What am I saying to you today? Believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. That word will begin to create things in your life. Begin to create things. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23 verse 29, the Bible says, Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire? Said the Lord. Like a hammer, 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 like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The devil is not yet born that will resist the word of God. The devil is not created. He said, My word is fire, and my word is like a sledgehammer. It breaks the rocks in pieces. It breaks obstacles in pieces. It destroys them. And number four, it says the word is sharp. The word of God is sharp. The word of God is sharp. Hallelujah. You know, (laughs) many years ago, I was just done. I've told this story many times. I was done. I was done. I told God, I said, I, I'm not doing it anymore. Enough. Enough. That was 2007. I mean, everything that could go wrong had gone wrong at that point. And I'm pastor. I just couldn't fight anymore. I didn't have the will to fight. Lost my home. We were homeless for a little bit, but God caught us before it got really bad. My vehicle was repossessed. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And then some people wanted to set up a tribunal in church. He said, we are having a town, town hall to remove the pastor. I said, I removed myself. <laughs> because it sounded like at the back of their mind somewhere, they thought I came to America to be a pastor. No, I came to America to pursue a career in veterinary medicine. That's exactly the reason why I came. Looking for money. Like you. That's why you are laughing. That's why I came. That's the singular reason why I came. If Nigeria was good and favorable, I would have told my wife, come and meet me in Nigeria. And so, you can't say I came here because of her. That's the story. I came to join my wife. Lies. (laughs) Lies. I didn't come to join nobody. She would have joined me in Nigeria if life was good in Nigeria. 
So I was done. I'm like, enough, enough. What's wrong with these people? You don't think I like nice things myself? Live in big house? Drive big car? You don't think I, I like that? So I said, enough. Until one day, a preacher came. And as he was preaching, that word, when he says it's sharp, sharper than two-edged sword, that word was into my soul. Dividing my flesh from the core. Separating the important things from the nonsense I was thinking. The word of God is sharp. Sharp. You cannot feel the pang of it if you don't have any connection with God. You know, so as the word is going now for some people, 11.55, let's get to the next thing. They are not in tune with nothing. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying maybe somebody sitting next to you. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the word of God is sharp. It can penetrate deep, deep into your soul and separate things for you. That you begin to understand, okay, I feel bad. That's I'm a human being. I have a right to feel bad. But what does God want me to do? You know, so after I stopped pitying myself, I came back. So, Lord, what would you have me do? 2007 to now is how many years? 14? 14 years? No. How many years? 15? 14? Oh. Scrum master, sorry. <laughs> 14 years ago, by his grace, I'm still standing. You know why? The word. The word. It wasn't some prayer. I'm praying, oh, Father, don't let me give up the ministry. I, I already gave it up. <laughs> it was not a prayer. I already gave it up. I, it's because I love God. I didn't go. So when we get to America, then we will set up a ministry. It will be under the Redeemed Christian Church of God. We will call it Salvation Center. Nothing like that. Never happened. Never happened. But when the word came, somebody said the word. When the word came, the word separated the noise from the call. Say, I have called you. They can say whatever they want to say about you. Separate it from the call. I have not called you that. Whatever it is they have called you, I, God, I have not called you that. They say, they are talking about me. Even the dead, they talk about the dead. If they don't talk about you, it means you are worse than the dead. If there's anything worse than being dead, the one that is dead, is he talking about them? Good or bad? So if they are talking about you, ah, praise God, I'm having some impact. <laughs> give them some more. Give, give them a little bit more. Hallelujah. Our time is up, but I'm not out of message. Out of time, not out of message. Let me see how we can tie this, wrap this up. 
Please rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.